Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And uh, thanks for tuning in. If you stuck with that almost four-hour-long game between the Orioles and the Red Sox, Orioles losing today 14-9. I'm your host today from the Bat Around. I'm Paul Valley, uh, riding solo today here on Birdland tonight. And let's get right into it. The Orioles pitching did not fare well today. They gave up six home runs, including three to J.D. Martinez and another two to Rafael Devers. Those two combined to drive in nine runs as the Orioles lose 14-9 for the Orioles. Some good, I guess you can say, came out of the loss. Um, Michael Franco's bat looked like he was starting to come on a little bit last night. He had a hit in two walks. Today he had an RBI single. He had a three-run homer. He drove in four runs, uh, also walked there in the ninth inning. And he also had a line drive that turned into a double play that was about 104 miles an hour off the bat that was just scorched right at Rafael Devers. So Michael Franco's bat uh, looks like he's starting to come on. Trey Mancini. Second straight game with a home run, a three-run shot to pull the Orioles within 10-7 before they gave up four runs the next inning. Uh, that would be in the eighth inning. I uh, ended up losing this game again, like I said, 14-9. Unfortunately, Rio Ruiz did strike out to end the game, uh, which turned out to be the Orioles' 10th strikeout of the game, which is now their eighth consecutive game with 10-plus strikeouts. Um Really, the only game that they haven't struck out 10 or more times, it was opening day. So you want to see a little bit better of an approach at the plate from the Orioles, um, from their batters, uh, especially when, by my count today, the Orioles chased 19 pitches out of the strike zone. They chased 19 pitches out of the strike zone. That's You can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. Puts you into a hole in a, in a, in a, in a bat that you don't need to be in a hole. Uh, you look at that first inning, and the game started out well for the Orioles. Kike Hernandez hit a pretty pretty solid fly ball to right field uh, as the leadoff batter of the game, and Anthony Santander made a nice running catch uh, over his back shoulder to record the out. Then on a 1-2 count, Jorge Lopez hits Alex Verdugo in the back calf, uh, puts him on base, and then he strikes out J.D. Martinez on a really nice changeup that started out on the uh, over the middle of the plate and broke inside. He had no chance of hitting it. Got the strike out there. Gives up the hit to Bogarts, but then strikes out Raphael Devers. And you would hope that that was going to set the tone for the game. It didn't because those guys certainly set the tone themselves. Again, five home runs and nine RBIs between the two. Um, and then in the bottom of the first, uh, Cedric Mullins. He struck out on three straight pitches. That's not what you like to see. He ended up he ended up having a nice game. He had two hits. He had a walk, um, all for naught. But he strikes out on three pitches in the first in the first inning. Then Mancini walks, and then it's a uh, it's a two zero count on Anthony Santander. He swings at a pitch well off the plate inside um, and misses it. It's two one. One of those nineteen chases that the Orioles really just didn't need. 
in this game. Then he takes another ball, and it's 3-1. He's your number three hitter. Uh, this guy, for uh, Nick Pavetta, for the for the Red Sox, who walked four batters in his first outing against Tampa Bay, despite going five shutout innings. He's struggling to find the plate. He's struggling to, thr- to throw strikes in this game. He'd already walked Mancini, falls behind Santander 3-1. Santander, as number three hitter, decides he's going to try to bunt against the shift. He ends up bunting it back to the pitcher. It goes down as a sacrifice, but really it should go down as a bonehead play. Your number three hitter in a nothing-nothing game in the first inning when your team has lost four or five and you're trying not to get swept by the Red Sox should not be laying it down a bunt in that situation. You can make the argument that he should never be laying down a bunt in any situation. He's your number three hitter. He's in the three-hole for a reason. And that was really what set the tone for the game when you have – a mental error like that in the first inning of the game is usually not going to bode well. Certainly didn't, as the Orioles, again, give up six home runs on on, uh, on the way to being beaten by five today, 14-9. to nine. Um, There really wasn't, wasn't much good to come out of this, out of this ball game. Um, Mountcastle, to me, looks – guys, he looks absolutely lost at the plate. He's chasing a lot of a lot of pitches. Every now and again, he runs into one. It, it just happens. He'll, he'll get a hanger or a fastball that he can handle, and he'll run into one. You saw it on opening day with the 109-mile-an-hour two-run homer in the first. You saw it today with the double to the gap. There was one hopper off the wall. But more often than not, the kid's not having competitive at-bats. Um, and, yes, you'd like to see him still hitting in the middle of this order, but I think that where you have a good shot at seeing him move down in the lineup, maybe sixth, maybe seventh. Get him out of that run-producing spot in the lineup. Take some of the pressure off of his shoulders and allow him to get his back going. And then once he gets the back going, once he gets confident, you move him back up in the order, have him hit fourth, fifth, third, wherever you want to put him. But right now, it seems like the pressure of batting fourth just is weighing a little too much on him. Brian Roberts talked about it um, during spring training in one of those two spring training games in Madison aired, where he said that, He's going to swing and miss a lot, um, but he manages to get the barrel to the ball when he, when he makes contact. Uh, he never seems off balance. He doesn't seem to overswing, and that's what makes him such a good hitter. Well, right now, Ryan Mountcastle is overswinging, and it's, it's obvious, and he's, he's expanding the zone pretty frequently, almost on an at-bat-to-at-bat basis. And again, the Orioles, everybody to a man on the team is guilty of it. 19 pitches out of the strike zone that the Orioles chased today. Um, you, they have to do better. They have to do better. I, I look at, you know, when Mountcastle did hit that double, uh, Michael Franco comes up and he gets the RBI single after DJ Stewart had popped up, I believe, on the second pitch of the bat. Michael Franco comes up and he gets the RBI single. And then on the first pitch, first pitch, a ball at the bottom of the zone that you really can't do much with, Rio Ruiz grounds into an inning-ending double play. You look at, he swung at the first pitch, grounds into a double play. Ryan Mountcastle out off the inning with a double. And then DJ Stewart, who's had a nice couple of days since coming, getting back onto the roster. I have nothing against what he's done, except the fact that after that double, not a competitive at bat, he sees two pitches, the second of which he pops up straight up to the pitcher. It was a hittable pitch. It just, the approach is a little overly aggressive right now for the Orioles, and it's not bearing fruit for them. And then you look at the rotation, and you look at Jorge Lopez. Uh, 
he comes in in the fifth inning. He allows a run on three straight base hits. The Orioles are still in the game at this point. Gives up three straight base hits to start the fifth inning. He allows a run that ends his day, and then they bring in Max Garola, who immediately gives up a three run homer to to Rafael Devers. And Devers, man, he was he was off to a slow start this year. He was off to a slow start for much of the year last year before coming on towards the end of the season. Comes to Baltimore and he looks like the all-star player that he's been in the past. Four home runs in the series, five RBIs today. Scaroller, he hits Kike Hernandez with the bases loaded to force another run in in the fifth. Then J.D. Martinez with his second home run of the game in the sixth inning. He would go on to homer again. Uh, Scaroller didn't look great today. Lopez didn't look great today. Sean Armstrong comes in and he has himself another, another poor outing. The guy's ERA through four appearances is 27. He's basically giving up three runs an inning. He's giving up one run for every third of an inning, and that happened again today. He gave up three runs, two earned, in his two-thirds of an inning pitch. And this is a guy, his stuff plays. His stuff plays. He's in the, I think, 97th percentile in spin rate on his fastball. So he's got the stuff. He proved it last year. It's just been a really, really terrible start to the year for uh, for Sean Armstrong and the Orioles. For that matter, they start the year three and zero, but now they're four and five. They lose two or three in New York. They lose all three games here in Baltimore to the Red Sox. It's going to be nice for them to get out of the AL East as they start a four game series in Baltimore with Seattle tomorrow night. You have Dean Kramer uh, taking the mound for the Orioles going up against Justice Sheffield tomorrow night, uh, and maybe they can get back to some winning ways. And you know, earlier this year I posted. Are we just supposed to believe that this Orioles team is bad because everybody says they're supposed to be bad? They're going to take their bumps along the way, but they're certainly not bad. Well, you look at how they play the games, and yeah, they have talent on the roster, but it's these it's these bonehead plays, these mental lapses that are making them play bad baseball. Again, that you look at the bad approach chasing those 19 pitches. You look at Anthony Santander, the three-hitter, bunting on a 3-1 count in the first inning after the pitcher just walked batter. And that was the only pitch that he threw for it that was actually a strike in that at-bat. Because um, Santander, for the first strike, chased a pitch. Uh, he, had just, he had already walked Mancini, no need for the bunt there. Then you look in the you look in the ninth inning, and for some reason, on a ground ball to second base, Rio Ruiz boots the ball, goes behind him. Then uh, Ramon Arias, he goes to pick it up. He bobbles it and then throws home blindly, even though nobody was going home. That allows a run to score, and suddenly you're uh, and that was I'm sorry that was actually in the eighth inning. And suddenly down you're down fourteen to seven instead of the ten to seven game that you had going into that inning. The Orioles tried to make a game of it, but the pitching, the defensive lapses, the mental errors really cost them uh, in this game. Look, I don't I don't want to be be the dead horse here. You know, it wasn't a good game. It was a difficult game for for me to watch personally. I sat there and watched every single pitch of that game and. It, it makes you feel for those Orioles beat writers and the journalists and the people that cover the team, that get paid to cover the team. They have to go to every game and they have to watch every game from start to finish, just like we did today. When they lose a game 14 to, to nine that they really weren't competitive in, it's, it was a tough game to watch. And it was a long game, four hours. Uh, I actually had a five o'clock tea time today. That goes to show you, folks, do not ever make plans when you're hosting a post-game show after an Orioles game because uh, back in 2014, I met, when I was working in Masson, 
I made plans to go to a Ravens uh, preseason game. They were playing the Orioles were playing the Cubs. It was there was no chance of this game, inter, the games interfering with each other, except there was a two and a half hour rain delay in that Orioles Cubs game, and I ended up missing that Ravens game. Today I have the tea time at five o'clock, so of course the Orioles play a four hour and fifty a three hour and fifty minute game, and my tea time was ten minutes ago. But I'd rather be here talking to you all than you know playing golf right now. So uh, just. Just a tough day all around for the Orioles. Some more good things. Paul Fry came in and actually pitched really well. He struck out the side uh, there when he came in in the ninth inning. There was the one base runner that was allowed to uh, that was allowed to reach on an error by Urias at shortstop. Made a nice play to get to the ball, but then an off balance sidearm throw that uh, just pulled the pulled Mancini off the bag. But Fry struck out the side and he looked a lot better today than he has in the past this year, to say the least. And then DJ Stewart comes back to the team yesterday, has a walk and a double in his season debut. Then today he has uh, two more walks and a base hit. This is a guy for me who is a difference maker, who is a difference maker on, on this team and in this lineup. I think that eventually you could see DJ Stewart batting second, move Trey Mancini back down into a more run producing role, even though he has homered in the last two games to drive in a couple of runs, to drive in five runs, um, off those two home runs, six total, six RBIs total the last two games. I think that the Orioles eventually will put DJ Stewart into that two hole. And then when Hayes gets back, you'll see him batting maybe fifth or sixth in the lineup with Mancini batting third, uh, Santander or Mountcastle fourth, and then one of those two batting fifth. So nice to see him come back, DJ Stewart come back and contribute and look like a good solid baseball player for the Orioles to start this season for him. Ryan McKenna, another good story. Uh, he's been forced into major league action because of Hayes strain, strain hamstring. He gets his first major league hit today, a triple there today. And then he gets a base hit there in the ninth inning, takes second base and third base on defensive indifference ends up scoring on a wild pitch. So he made something happen there. He got an extra run for the Orioles again, all for not because they lost 14 to nine, but it was something that you like to see. You like to see the hustle. You like to see a young guy come up and have some success. So not a lot of comments today. The last time I hosted the show, they were a, uh, Quite a few comments. It was a really interactive show. And we really, here at Birdland tonight, we really want you guys to be interactive. We want to communicate with our viewers. We want to read your comments. We want to have you be a part of the show. We feel like that's what's going to set us apart from the stuff that they're, that the Orioles are doing on Masson is we're going to interact with the fans. Um, today, not a, not a lot of comments. Show me your O's face. Uh, hey, one good thing was it was fun to see Mancini get an Earl Weaver special. Fun to see him get the Earl Weaver special, and it was fun to see uh, Michael Franco get his first Orioles home run, a three-run shot as well. Those two guys combined for eight of the Orioles' nine uh, RBIs today. Um, and, in fact, they were the only ones to get RBIs today, as, again, McKenna scored on the wild pitch in the ninth inning. Those guys looked really good today. You're waiting for the rest of the lineup to kind of start to click a little bit, too. Um, Galvis had a hit today. He had a uh, he had a, a, an RBI single last night, ended up, Striking out in a big situation in extra innings, so but Galvis maybe that bat's going to come around. Franco's been taking really great at bats the last two nights. Mancini back to back games with a home run. Uh, Santander back to back games with a home run before today, which again beating a dead horse but makes a three one bunt in the <laughs> in the first inning that much more difficult to swallow. Um, but hopefully these guys start to swing the bats a little bit better. Hey, they scored. 20 runs in two Sunday games, but they've lost one of them, losing that game today. But they scored 11 runs last Sunday. It's the only two games this year that the Orioles have scored more than four runs in a game. Again, all the strikeouts, they have to come down. This team has struck out 
Um, what was it? This team has struck out now 111 times this year to lead the major leagues by a wide margin. So strikeouts have to come down, better plate approach. You see it with DJ Stewart. You see more pitches. You get on base, uh, and that's what's going to help you win ball games. It's going to. This is a transition year, guys. We're seeing who's going to stick. We're seeing who's going to be part of this team moving forward. And you know, Freddie Galvis, he's not going to be your shortstop of the future. Michael Franco is not going to be your third baseman of the future. Rio Ruiz probably doesn't get regular playing time on most teams, but he's getting regular playing time with the Orioles. This is his third season with the team. It's time to see if he can stick. Otherwise. He's, he's not part of this future either. I'm more inclined to think he's not part of the future than I am to think he is part of the future. Uh, Charlie Burr said, got to love Mancini going deep. Everything Mancini does this year, you absolutely have to love. It, coming back from colorectal cancer, he's a team leader, uh, the leader of the franchise, the face of the franchise. Everything he does this year, we're going to be watching and we're going to be loving it and we're going to be cheering him on. I think he's going to be in Colorado rep representing the Orioles in the All-Star game this year uh, before it's all said and done. Uh, Beatrice, Beatrice says, this game was a lot. It's hard to not feel at least tired right now if you're an Orioles fan. You know what? That's just – this is now the fourth straight season where that's kind of how we feel, right? They lost 115 games in 2018. They lost 108 in 2019. They were 25 and 35 last year. And, yeah, they were in contention to the last week of the year. But that pans out to about a 95-loss season over 162 games. And now, you know, they started the season 3-0. and And – a week later, they're a game under 500, having lost four of their next five games. I'm sorry, uh, five of their next six games. Excuse me. It's it's been difficult, and it, that's what a rebuild is. A rebuild is something that's extremely difficult to deal with, extremely difficult to get through. And if you all are around my age, or maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, you, then you can remember the 14 years of losing and how hard it was. And this is how we felt more often than not for 14 years. But then it was so satisfying and so rewarding when that team comes and they make the playoffs in 2012 and again in 2014 winning their first division title in 17 years. And then again in 2016 in that wild card matchup with the Blue Jays that didn't go the way we wanted it, but they were still there. They were in the postseason three years out of five. When the Orioles get back to contention, the lumps that we're taking right now the, the beatings, how, how bad we feel, how exhausted we are after a game like today, it's going to be all worth it when they get back there. You know, it's going to be, it's going to feel that much better when they're winning and they're winning consistently. We just got to get through it. And like I said, this is a transition year. I expect them to play better baseball at some point this year. I expect them to play better baseball even more so next year and really start to prove that they're a team to be reckoned with. They're just not quite there yet. And then Charlie Burr, he said, it's what it's what makes you guys great. And that is um, in reference to me saying we're trying to be a more interactive show here on Birdland tonight. And, you know, there's we don't have the money to put into this show that Masson does. We don't have we have great graphics. And that's all thanks to Josh Soroka here on Birdland tonight, who also does the Section 336 podcast um, that he's been doing for, I think, 12 years now. That guy works his tail off to make this as good as possible for the fans and that's what we want to set us apart. We want to interact with you guys. We want to have a great show for you all and get your thoughts and your opinions because without the fans, there's no baseball. You saw how much these teams are bleeding without their fans last year, all the revenues down. Without the fans, without you guys, without me, without all of us, there's no big baseball to talk about. So you're as important as anybody 
when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, when it comes to Major League Baseball. So we want you to be a part of our show. Um, look, that's going to do it for me here on Birdland tonight. Sorry that there wasn't more to talk about. Sorry we're not talking about a uh, a better game for you all. Uh, we had to sit there and watch the Red Sox hit six home runs and score 14 runs. We got to see the Orioles hit two home runs and score nine runs. It just wasn't enough today. Hopefully they'll bounce back tomorrow against the Seattle Mariners. Again, that game is at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. You can catch it on Masson. It's going to be Dean Kramer looking to bounce back from that 85-pitch three-inning outing against the Yankees in his first start going up against Justice Sheffield of the Mariners. Hopefully the Orioles can can kind of get back on track a little bit. Four-game series with the uh, with the Mariners. A three-game series with Texas follows that. Then two games with the Marlins. And I believe it's four games with the Athletics after that. So here's an opportunity for the Orioles to kind of get back on track. Get out of the American League East for a little bit and try to get back to some winning ways. Thanks for tuning in to Birdland tonight. And remember, you can always catch me on the bat around for PressBoxSportsOnline.com over um, over at PressBox Sports. You can catch that every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 with my co-host Zach Goodman with our favorite segment, Take to Rake, where we pick a player that we think is going to have the biggest week and see who wins at the end of that. So tune in uh, to the Birdlands tonight, tomorrow night, next time. I'm not sure who the hosts are, but I'm sure they're going to do a great job. Until then, go host. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Brubble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.